Hey, I'm Nancy Cavey, National ERISA and IDI Disability Attorney. Welcome to Winning Isn't Easy. Before we get started, I've got to give you a legal disclaimer. This podcast is not legal advice. The Florida Bar Association says I have to say this, so I've said it. You ready to get started? In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how ERISA offsets for Social Security disability benefits can destroy the value of an ERISA policy. The myths that disability insurance policyholders believe about ERISA and individual disability insurance and the truth. And we're going to uh, conclude with the story of an Alaskan bush pilot. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to begin. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind, which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. Are you ready to get started? Let's start with how ERISA offsets for Social Security disability benefits can destroy the value of an ERISA policy. Many policyholders are unaware of the other income offset found in almost every ERISA disability insurance policy. It's what the right hand gives, the left hand takes away provision that can reduce your ERISA disability benefits to a minimum mandatory payment of $100 or 10% of the monthly benefits. What? My HR department never told me about this. What do you mean the disability insurance carrier can require me to apply for Social Security disability benefits and can deduct my social security benefits and what my kids get from my disability payments? That's crazy. Well, unfortunately it's crazy, but it is legal. I want you to get out your ERISA disability plan or policy. And we're gonna look for two provisions. The first provision is the policy provision that helps you arrive at what's your gross disability benefit. The second provision is policy provisions that reduce your monthly benefits. We've talked about offsets for workers' compensation benefits, PIP benefits, state disability benefits, and personal injury settlements. Today, we're going to talk about the big bugaboo, Social Security disability benefit offsets. You've got your policy out? Okay. Let's find that provision that's entitled, What are your deductible sources of income or other sources of net income? This provision will let your disability carrier offset your disability benefits by the receipt of Social Security disability benefits and that uh, money that you get for your dependents. A typical um, provision will read as follows. Social Security reduction and payback. The amount you, your spouse, and your child receive or are entitled to receive in disability payments because of your disability under the United States Social Security Act the Canadian Pension Plan, the Quebec Pension Plan, or any similar plan or act. That's pretty broad, isn't it? The Social Security Reduction Provision will allow your disability insurance company to deduct both your primary and family Social Security benefits from your gross benefits. Now, it's crucial that you read your policy because not all policies will say your spouse or your children. If that's not in the policy, only your Social Security disability benefits are going to be offset. I think that the Social Security reduction and payback provision is one of the most important policy provisions in a disability policy. 
if you're supporting dependent children and become disabled, this offset provision can really reduce your disability benefits. And in most cases, the disability policy is going to require that not only you apply for your benefits, but that you follow through the process through all stages of an appeal. So let me give you an example of a typical policy provision. PayNow has the right to require proof that you, your spouse, child, or dependent has made an application for all their income benefits for which you or they are or may be eligible to receive relative to your disability and has made a timely appeal of any denial through the highest administrative level. A timely appeal for making such an appeal is required, but in no case later than 60 days from the latest denial. In addition to the above, for the purposes of federal social security, when a timely application for the benefits has been made and denied, a request for reconsideration must be made within 60 days after the denial, unless PayNow tells you in writing that it does not require you to do so. Also, if the consideration is denied, an application for hearing before an administrative law judge must be made within 60 days of that denial, unless PayNow relieves you of that obligation. If that isn't enough, most disability policies will provide that if you don't apply for Social Security or follow through this process, the disability carrier will offset your disability benefits by the amount the Social Security benefits you would have received had you complied with this policy provision. But it gets worse. There's a payment option form that you may be asked to sign. The disability carrier is going to ask you to sign that payment option form, which is a signed promise by you to pay back any amounts owed to the disability insurance company as a result of overpayment because of a workers' comp or social security disability award. Now, before you apply for your long-term disability benefits, I strongly encourage you to go on to www.ssa.gov. Find out how much your social security benefits would be. And typically, your minor children will get half of what your benefits would be. Now, with these numbers, you'll be able to calculate the amount of money the long-term disability carrier will be entitled to deduct from your disability benefits. Surprise! Because many people just don't understand that the disability carrier has the right to reduce monthly benefits by both your benefits and those of your family. And that is a surprising uh, um, deduction from benefits. And people are just floored by this because their HR department never told them about these deductions, promising them that they would have a certain amount of monthly benefits. And that's what you purchased because you didn't think there was going to be any kind of deductions. Now, if the policy allows the insurance company to reduce your benefits, the carrier then has the right to recover any overpayment they make you. So, it's not uncommon for a social security disability application to take over 24 months to be processed. And in that time frame, the long-term disability carrier is generally paying you the full amount of your benefits. When you're awarded social security disability benefits, you generally get what's called a retroactive lump sum payment. Now you have to understand that social security will not pay the first five months of benefits uh, from the date you claim that you are eligible and awarded. The long-term disability carrier is going to recalculate what your long-term disability benefits would have been had you been receiving the Social Security benefits. And of course, they can't 
claim an overpayment for the first five months because you didn't get any benefits. The disability carrier is going to calculate the amount of the overpayment and then demand that you immediately make payment of that overpayment in a lump sum. And very often there's going to be a large retroactive Social Security disability check that will be owed to the disability carrier. And that is a shock because you have um, probably been living on both a combination of your social of your um, um, uh, disability benefits and any other income that you've had or even your savings. And now you've got to pay this huge retroactive uh, check over to the disability carrier uh, to satisfy the overpayment. I'm sure that you thought that you were going to be using that money to pay bills or get current on other obligations. And that comes as a huge surprise. Now, one of the things that this, the disability carrier is going to recommend is that you use their social security disability advocate. And my advice is simple. Don't use the carrier's social security disability advocate. Now, why would I say that? I am a social security disability attorney. And I think quite frankly, that you should be represented by an ERISA disability attorney who also handles social security cases. So all of that's coordinated. But if not, you want to use your own advocate. Why would I say that? Well, the disability uh, carrier is going to try to uh, entice you to use their advocate because they'll say, we'll forgive the attorney's fee that you have to pay. In fact, we'll pay that fee. So that fee, which is a maximum of $6,000, won't be deducted from your benefits. But there are lots of buts and ifs and problems that come with using the Social Security Disability Advocate recommended by the carrier. Number one, as part of their agreement with you, you'll have to sign a form that allows this Social Security Disability Advocate access to your checking or savings account so that when the overpayment hits your account, they can immediately suck it up from your bank account. Wow, I wouldn't want that, do you? Now, you also don't want to use the advocate because generally an advocate is not a social security disability attorney. They'll also develop medical conditions that will result in limited pay. So in other words, if you have a medical condition such as a herniated disc, but you're depressed, more often than not, the advocate is going to try to develop your disability based on the, the depression because under the terms of your disability policy, your benefits are limited to just two years under the mental nervous limitations. Ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? And they're not going to get residual functional capacity forms. Now, I know your doctors probably fill out APS forms, but the reality is that those APS forms don't ask, in my view, the right question. So I always supplement the APS form with Social Security Disability Residual Functional Capacity Forms, and the Social Security judge likes those forms. And so one of the mistakes I find that the advocates will do is they don't um, get the right, they don't, they don't get a residual form at all, and if they do, they don't use the right one. Worse yet, I find that they don't prepare you for a hearing and they'll even probably meet you for the first time at the hearing. In my practice, um, I have videos about what happens at a social security disability hearing. I meet with my client for at least an hour before the hearing and go through all the questions. Actually, it's a scheduled appointment five weeks before the hearing. And I also meet with them prior to the hearing uh, and get them ready again. So they are thoroughly prepared for the kinds of questions that the Social Security judge is going to ask and how to answer those questions. That's the kind of prep 
you need. You need someone who understands the Social Security five-step sequential evaluation, will work and get your medical records, will develop all of the medical conditions that will result in a winning Social Security claim, and you need to be prepared for the hearing. Otherwise, I think that using a Social Security disability advocate is a recipe for disaster. In my next segment, we're going to do some myth-busting. This is one of my favorite parts of our show. Today's myth is going to be, my disability policy will provide me with financial security if I'm disabled and unable to work. The disability carrier knows that I'm having trouble making ends meet, and they aren't going to want back that overpayment. Stay tuned. The myths that disability insurance policyholders believe about ERISA and individual disability insurance and the truth. My job is to be a myth buster so that you can understand your ERISA and individual disability insurance policy, the claims process, and the games that disability carriers play to delay or deny your benefits. You may have heard from neighbors, friends, lawyers, insurance agents, myths about disability insurance. I hear those myths every day. And one of the things I have to do in talking to clients is to dissuade them of the myths and tell them the truth. So what's today's myth? My disability policy will provide me with financial security if I'm disabled and unable to work. The carrier knows I'm having trouble making ends meet and they're not gonna ask me back for that overpayment. Well, remember we talked about that payment option form? The typical payment option form as combined with another policy provision. It's called the estimated payment provision in your policy. So get out your policy, find it, and let's talk about it. The typical language you will see in the policy is going to be, the amount of other income benefits for which you appear to be eligible will be estimated unless you sign and return a reimbursement agreement. This agreement contains your promise to repay any overpayment of benefits made to you. If the other income benefits are estimated, your monthly benefits will be adjusted when we receive proof of the exact amount awarded or that the benefits have been denied after a review at the highest administrative level. We'll pay you if any underpayment in your monthly benefit results. You'll have to repay us, however, if any overpayment results. If we must take legal action against you to recover any overpayment, you'll have to pay our reasonable attorney's fees and costs if we win. Wow. You can be sued and they can collect attorney's fees and costs against you. So I'm often asked, well, how do carriers get their money back? Long-term disability carriers are going to use several methods to recoup their benefits if you fail to repay them. First, they're going to attempt to use any release that you sign, uh, particularly through their advocacy program, to withdraw the overpayment from your bank account. It gets sucked up. If that doesn't work, they're gonna reduce your disability benefits, not only by the amount of the social security disability benefits you are now getting monthly and that of your children, but they'll take a prorated reduction of the remaining monthly benefits. So let's do some math. If for example, you are receiving $2,400 per month in disability benefits and as of January 1st, your social security disability application is granted retroactively, 
from January 1st, let's say 2017 to 2019. And let's say your Social Security benefits are $1,000 and you get a back check in the amount of $24,000. Now, you're not going to be able to use that $24,000 to pay off bills or get yourself current. The carrier is going to automatically calculate that they've overpaid you benefits. And if you don't pay them back the $12,000, they are going to send you a letter demanding repayment. If you refuse, not only are they going to reduce your check by $1,000, because that's what you're getting in Social Security, but then they're going to take a pro rata reduction for that $12,000 uh, overpayment. And most policies are silent on the amount of those pro rata payments and how they're to be calculated. But I've seen carriers take an entire balance of the long-term disability benefits, pay only the minimum monthly benefit until the carrier has recouped the full $12,000. Wow. So before you stop work and apply for Social Security benefits and your disability benefits, it's important that you understand your gross benefits. So how much am I going to be paid in my gross uh, LTD benefits and what can be deducted, including the receipt of Social Security benefits? Because you really want to know what's the net. Now, if your policy uh, does not allow for the reduction of Social Security benefits, which is typically true in individual disability policies. It's called an integrated policy. So remember that the carrier has the right to recover not only any overpayment they made to you, but reduce your ongoing disability benefits by the receipt of Social Security. And of course, the last thing they can do is they'll refer it to collections and potentially sue you. Now, I've been successful in bringing a violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act causes of action and violation uh, of other um, federal laws regarding creditor harassment in regard to the overpayment. And if they start harassing you, you might want to also consult with an employee benefit uh, lawyer who can help you determine whether or not you have a, a violation of the uh, of federal law. Because I was happily able to sue not only the collection agency and the disability carrier, but settle it uh, with them paying my attorney's fees and forgiving a $40,000 overpayment. Now, if there isn't a violation of federal law in the way they're doing the collections, you can be assured that you will be sued. And it's going to be a question ultimately, of, are you sued in state court and federal court? You probably are going to end up in federal court. And really at that point in time, your claim is probably going to be denied and it's going to be just a big mess. You certainly are going to need an attorney at that point if you don't need one now. So what's the truth? The truth is that disability carriers want their money back now, regardless of how desperate your financial circumstances are. In the next segment, I'm going to tell you the story of an Alaskan bush pilot and how his claim crashed and burned. Stay tuned. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? You need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. 
Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. Sometimes court cases read like a mystery story. Sometimes they read like a fairy tale. And sometimes they'll read like a horror story. I learn lots by reading these cases that come out every week. And so I want to tell you the story of how an Alaskan bush pilot's LTD disability claim crashed and burned over the issue of whether Social Security retirement benefits were offsetable. Well, the answer as to whether or not Social Security retirement benefits are considered offsetable as other income always starts with that disability insurance plan or policy. Many policies or plans are use language such as LTD benefits are intended to supplement income you may receive as a result of your disability or retirement. I think that's kind of funny because it's not. It's supposed to be primary. But let's go ahead and read on. Any other income benefits you receive may reduce your long-term disability benefits or other income that can include, but is not limited to any social security benefits you or your family receives or retirement benefits under the social security act or alternative plan offered by a state or municipal government. So hmm, based on that language, do you think that other income includes just social security disability benefits, just social security retirement benefits or both Social Security Disability and Retirement Benefits. When a court tries to figure this out, it's going to start with the plain language of that policy. And quite frankly, that's not always plain. And they're going to interpret that language in an ordinary and popular sense as would a person of average intelligence and experience. Hmm. Well, that sounds reasonable. But let me tell you the story of Mr. Rupert. In the case of Rupert versus Atlas Air, Rupert was a former bush pilot and he became disabled uh, and the disability carrier wanted to reduce his disability benefits by the receipt of his retirement. He argued that a person of average intelligence and experience wouldn't understand that the Social Security retirement benefits were offsetable. He argued that the plan wasn't clear, it wasn't plain and it wasn't conspicuous enough for a layperson to understand and that the punctuation, including the use of a semicolon and the use of a word or was confusing. Well, my husband, who has a Ph.D. in English and teaches English, um, would be, I think, amazed by the argument about the use of a semicolon and how that impacted whether or not retirement benefits were offsetable. So. All of the language that I just mentioned was in Rupert's plan and the court was faced with interpreting that language to determine whether or not the retirement benefits were offsetable. Unfortunately, the court didn't buy any of those arguments and they noted that it was clear that the term any social security benefits included retirement benefits and that there was a specific clause that specifically stated that social security retirement benefits were offsetable. So Rupert's LTD case crashed and burned and his benefits were reduced by his Social Security retirement. And I'm sure, in fact, I'm positive that he didn't consider this when he stopped working, applied for benefits and and thought merrily that he was going to be paid the full amount of his disability benefits. That's pretty stinky, isn't it? So in I think that the lessons learned that should be applied in every case is one, you should read your policy before you stop work and determine what your gross benefits are, determine what's offsetable, determine your net LTE benefits, 
and figure out whether you can afford to apply for your benefits or what alternative sources of income or savings you're going to need to use to live on. Well, that's it for this episode. Please, if you like this podcast, consider linking to our page, leaving a review, or sharing it with your friends and family. Remember, our podcast comes out weekly, so stay tuned next week for another insightful episode of Winning Isn't Easy.